See if you know this one. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Christ and all of our loved ones who have gone on before. I can't wait for the day. Can you? His grace is amazing. Amen. Could somebody bring me a, a water, please? Mine has disappeared this morning for some reason. It has probably gone to some very needy person. Uh, but if I could get one, I would certainly appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be in the Lord's house today. I told my wife this morning, I said, you never know what kind of a crowd you're going to have in Louisville um, on a holiday weekend. There are times we've had good ones, and there have been times that everybody else was either in Gatlinburg, Florida, Mobile, Alabama, or Eastern Kentucky. Thank you, Joyce. You're such a blessing to me, young lady. Give Joyce a good hand of applause. She deserves it. 
And then other years, we, you know, we don't have anybody, and then other years, we just have a great crowd. And I thank you for being here this morning. I see several visitors. We want to welcome you. I hope you feel right at home this morning and that you will just settle in and be with us today. Some of you, we see you occasionally and every now and then. Every time I get to see you, I'm thrilled. So thank you for being here today. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about anchors. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to grab them and go with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 28. We're going to close out this sermon series on anchors, and uh, we're going to be talking from Acts chapter 28. There is a time, aren't you glad, when the storm is over. The storm is finished, and we're able to move on and move ahead, fully equipped and fully energized by the hand of God. And I'm thankful, and we're going to talk about that some today. Let me also put my two cents worth in on two things very quickly before I preach and while you're turning to Acts chapter 28. First of all, last week I mentioned to you about our World Missions Project, which will come to the end at the end of September. Uh, We had set a goal for $25,000. We were currently at about $26,000. Uh, We have had about another $2,000 come in, so we're at about $28,000. And so we have until the end of the year uh, for another couple thousand dollars to come in, and we're going to shoot for $30,000 in this project. I believe we're going to make it. I really do. We didn't pledge that much, but it's okay, right? Because the more seed that you can put in the ground, the greater the harvest. And so if you'd like to give to that project, you can do it online, or you can do it in the black boxes by check. Just make it out to Spirit Life Church, and on the memo, put New Zealand, and we will, we will be able to know where that goes. And 100% of what you give to that project will go to that project. And then also let me remind you that next week is Grandparents Day, and I want you to be here, a good old college friend of ours Marsha Durkee, who is the senior adult pastor at the Parma Park Church of God in Columbus, Ohio, I believe it is, is going to be our special guest. And she has something very special to share with you right at the beginning of service next week. I mean, right from the get-go, we're going to have her come and do a presentation. And then she's going to have to go back to the back and clean herself up when it's over so that she can come back and preach the message after praise and worship. You're going to enjoy Marsha, and I want you to be here next week. Bring your grandkids, or let your grandkids bring you. We're going to have a gift to give to everyone, correct Donna, who is here next week. And so we will send you home with a little blessing from Spirit Life Church And we want to pack the house out with grandparents and grandkids, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day in the Lord. So please make plans now to be here next week. Yes? Oh, yeah, we have a photo booth that is specially designed for for grandparents and grandkids. So come and bring your cell phones and that kind of thing, and we'll, we'll get some good pictures. When's the last time you had a good picture with your grandkids or with your grandma and grandpa? This would be an excellent time for you to do it. So get ready, come, and we'll have a wonderful time. 
Acts chapter 28, we're going to begin at verse 1, and I'm going to take this off in bits and pieces today as we talk about uh, the time when the storm is over, things are getting better, we're equipped, we are energized, we're ready to move to the future, and God provides everything that we need in order to do that. So before we read, let's pray and then let's open our hearts to the Word of God today. Father, I'm so thrilled to be in your house today. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I concur with that. I'm glad to be here today with some of the finest people that have ever walked the face of this earth. Thank you for every individual that is here today. I pray that you'll open our spiritual ears that we might hear from you today the things that we need to hear so that we can grow and mature in our faith. Allow me to preach effectively, to say what needs to be said, and to keep my mouth closed on topics that are not germane to this subject. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now I want to point something out to you from the very get-go. Look at verse 1 with me, if you will, in Acts chapter 28. It says, after we were brought safely through. Can you say, we were brought safely through? Isn't that an encouraging statement today? We were brought safely through. Now, if you've been here over the last three weeks, you understand that that is an amazing declaration considering all that they had been through. Last week, if you'll remember, we had them paddling up to the bay, to the beach in the bay, on planks that had broken off of the sea, uh, off of the ship into the sea. They had cast their anchors into the sea and left them there because the anchors were no longer useful and could no longer provide the protection and the provision that they needed. They were cold, they were hungry, but they were victorious. Amen. You remember last week me telling you that sometimes victory doesn't always look like you're standing on the stage getting some award. Sometimes you look frazzled and cold and hungry and bruised and bloody and swollen and all of those things but you are victorious nonetheless because you didn't give up. How many of you know that victory doesn't always look pretty? But victory is still victory. And this statement that they make in verse 1 that the writer makes, it makes it very clear that they were victorious. I pray that some of you, whatever you're going through in your life, will soon be able to say, we were brought safely through. I mean, we've been through some of the toughest times over the last couple of years because of things that are going on in the, the earth. I mean, we're talking about physical illness and sickness and viruses and economy and political up, uh, uproars and all those kinds of things. But listen, I'm here to remind you today that if you'll hold on and if you'll stay close to Jesus, he'll stay close to you and you will be able to declare we were brought safely 
through. Do you remember a time in your life when you thought you weren't going to make it just like the song we sang today? We thought, surely this thing is over. Surely I can't see my way through this. But then God moved on your behalf and now you were able to declare, I was brought safely through. I remember a time when the, when the psalmist said, I looked at my circumstances and I thought, I am going to be moved by these circumstances. But then the psalmist began to think about the goodness of God and how gracious he had been to him. And he changed his mind about his condition and he said, I shall not be moved. There's a difference between saying I shall not be greatly moved uh, and saying I shall not be moved. I'm here to announce to you today that some of you are at the place where you're no longer going to say I shall not be greatly moved, but you're going to say I shall not be moved uh, and I have been brought through by the hand of the Lord. What a way to start the chapter in chapter 28. We were brought safely through. What a wonderful thing. Now there are some things that they encountered here in chapter 28. They're on the shore. They're on an island called Malta. And they don't know what to expect. They have left all their anchors behind. Everything that they had depended on in the past was now gone, they had set it aside, and they were moving into their future with absolutely no idea what was going to happen next. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to a place where everything that you were accustomed to, everything that you had held tight to, everything that you believed in was gone, and you were still alive and facing the future, and you had absolutely no idea what to expect. We've all been there. There are times that we don't know what tomorrow will bring, but I know who holds tomorrow, amen? And tomorrow is in his hand, and he will take care of us. So let's look at some of the things that they encountered on the island of Malta. First of all, in verses 1 and 2, read with me. It says, after we were brought safely through, we learned that the island was called Malta. And the native people showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and they welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. Now, here's the first thing that I want you to see. They came out of the sea. They had left everything behind. They dragged their bodies up on that beach, and they met some people there, some natives, and they didn't know whether or not they were going to boil them up for dinner or reach out to them in some compassionate way. But the Bible makes it very clear that these natives did not know these 276 people, but they welcomed all of them and they showed them unusual kindness. Boy, aren't you glad for people in your life that will show you unusual kindness? There are times in our lives when we just need a good word. There are times that we need somebody to just put their hand around us and pull us close and hug us and let us know that we are loved. 
I'm glad that we have a church where people don't fight and bicker and, and fuss with one another, but they hold one another close. I don't know what was going on during praise and worship. I only noticed that something was going on in the back corner back here. And nobody came and got me, so I assumed that you had it all under control, whatever it was. But what I saw was a group of people get up out of their seats and go to the back and started laying hands on somebody back there and praying for God to move on their behalf. Now, I'll get a report on it later. But I know that all of you are back in your seats now, so you're feeling good about what you prayed over and about. Listen, I'm glad to be a part of a church that not only receives unusual kindness, but we are people who are able to give unusual kindness for those who are hurting and discouraged. They may be bruised. They may be bungled up. They, they may just barely be getting through life. Those are the moments when we are able to express unusual kindness to them in their moment of discouragement. But these people on Malta, they were able to provide the things that they needed. What did they need in that moment? Well, the Bible says it was cold and rainy. How many of you have been out in a cold, rainy situation? And it's hard to get warm. I don't know how you are, but if my feet get cold, man, it's over for me. I got to get inside and drink some hot chocolate or something like that. Because when my feet are cold, my whole body is cold. I was telling somebody earlier today, the older I get, the colder I get, I think. These employees that I work with out here, they're, they're, they're up moving around and they're taking care of children and, and, and they're, they're, they're doing this and that and they're moving. And I, the old pastor sitting in his office with his Bible open, reading and studying and sitting still. And they're out there hot, burning up, turning the air conditioner on and freezing me absolutely to death. I told my wife last year, I said, you got to buy me some sweaters. i got to get some sweaters. And I come to the office and I put my sweater on and everybody else is walking around in thin clothes. Man, I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than being cold. There's nothing worse than being wet and being cold. And that's what these people were. 276 cold people pull up. On the island of Malta, and these Maltese individuals build a fire, and they pull them in and welcome them close to the fire. They provided unusual kindness for them. Let me tell you something today. You never know when somebody's going to walk into your life and bless your socks off. You never know when favor is going to find you. But here's the way I want to live my life. I want to live my life with my spiritual pockets open every day. Because I never know when somebody's going to come by and make a deposit into my life that is going to make my life better than it's ever been before. I don't know, some of us just think we're never going to be blessed. Some of us just feel like that we're always going to be down and out. 
Some of us just feel like it's always going to be frustrating and discouraging. But I want you to start expecting the best. I've been saying it to you for 12 years. We have got to expect the best because we never know when somebody's going to walk into our lives and favor us in such a way that it will absolutely change everything about our lives. How many of you want that kind of favor in your life? How many of you want God to open up the windows of heaven and drop blessings all over you? I want it in my life. And those individuals that came onto that island that day, they were in great need. They were in in great pain and turmoil. And they needed somebody not to come up to them and say, Well, you know, if you'd have not done this, and if you hadn't have said that, and if you hadn't have gone there, and if you hadn't have been like that, you wouldn't be in this mess. Listen, there's a time for discipline. But when you're down and frustrated and hurting and bruised and bleeding, that's not the time for discipline. That's the time for un unusual kindness. Amen. And I'm thankful that God provides unusual kindness to us in those moments, aren't you? Somebody just raise your hands and thank the Lord that He has provided unusual kindness in your life. Amen. Now there's another thing I want us to see from Acts chapter 28. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me and look verses 3 through 6. It says, and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a vapor came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. And when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. And they were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now here's my point. There's a snake in your story. All of us in this room today have snakes in our lives. All of us have situations that we were not expecting. They surprised us, but they were like that snake that came out of the fire and bit Paul on the hand. Some of you were going about life, you were expecting favor, you were expecting good things, and all of a sudden, you got bit by a snake. It could have been that you got bit by divorce. It may be that you got bit by death. It could be that someone in your life got bit by disease. It might be that the economy has bit you hard. It might be that other things that I could name, and I could go on and on, but you've been bitten by the snake. Listen, somebody asked me if we were one of those churches that handle snakes. And my answer usually is no. We will not handle snakes. But I got to thinking about that this week. 
Some of us have some snakes that we need to handle. Some of us need to admit the snake that has bit us and then go to God and say, God, how can you help me to shake this thing off? You know, some of you are still waiting to swell up and die. When what you need to do is by faith shake that thing off, get it back in the fire where it came from, and declare yourself uh, to be over it in Jesus' name. We've got to handle our snakes. We've got to continue to expect favor and blessing even when we have been snake bitten. The problem is, when the snake comes and bites us, it oftentimes changes our attitude. And here's what happens. We can be going through life and everything's good. Everything's peachy keen. Everything's dandy. And then all of a sudden something happens and bites us. And we change our mind about favor. And we change our mind about following Jesus. Oh, it was easier when I was a sinner than it is now that I'm a Christian. It's hard work to be a Christian. I don't deny that. But it's still the best way. Jesus is still the answer for this world today. Don't give up just because you've been bitten by some snake. Just cast the thing off in the fire and believe that you will overcome it in Jesus' name. Don't change your mind about being blessed. You are blessed. Every day that you live, you are blessed. When you wake up in the morning, when you lay your head to rest, you are blessed. Amen. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. You are an overcomer in this life right now. You are victorious in every situation. Don't quit and give up and change your mind towards doubt just because some sneaky old snake came in and bit you on the hand. Shake that dude off and raise your hands and praise the Lord and thank Him that you will overcome. Amen. Snakes. 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 Let me tell you something about snakes. Your snake does not negate the promise of God. Can I say that again? Your snake does not negate the promise of God. Well, God promised me this and He promised me that, but I got bit by a snake, so that must have been wrong. No, you remember what Paul had been promised by the angel in chapter 27? The angel of the Lord came and spoke to Paul and said, You will be saved and all that are with you that stay with you will be saved. Why? Because you must go and stand before Caesar. Your assignment is not over. What God has called you to do has not been completed. And until your assignment is complete, God will protect you. God will keep His hand upon you. He has given a promise that you can latch on to. You remember one of the reasons why they cut the anchors off and left them in the sea? Because the anchors were obsolete. The anchors could no longer help them. The anchors could not, no longer protect them. They had no help. 
They had no help whatsoever from the natural sense. But they had all the help that they would ever need because they had a promise from God that He had given them and they were holding tightly to the promise of God. Hey, some of you need to reconnect with that promise that God gave you. Maybe it was a passage of Scripture that you read in your devotions and it just jumped off the Bible from and just leaped into your heart. Maybe it was a preacher that said something that caught your soul. Maybe it was a song like the one we sang today. It ain't over till I say it's over. I don't know where you got the promise, but if it lines up with the Scripture, I'm telling you that script, that promise will hold you tight and hold you secure. And it doesn't matter. You can name your snake whatever you want to name it, but your snake cannot negate the promise of God. The promise of God is yes and amen. The snake is not. He's just a sniveling, sneaky old sneelygoster that came out of your past and bit you on the hand. But I'm telling you, you can overcome it through the promise of God that He has given you. Amen. I don't care if you clap or shout or whatever you do today. I'm going to preach anyway. Amen. Snakes. I got snakes in my life. You got snakes in yours. But my snakes have always been overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Aren't you glad for that? Snakes. The next thing I want you to see that even when you've been bit by a snake, once you've overcome it, supernatural gifts open doors for influence. Now, look with me, verses 7 through 10. Still got your Bibles open? Verses 7 through 10. I dealt with the snake. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands... Belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius. Who names their kids Publius? Who would do that? Publius. Well, they call him for short, Poo. Publius. Who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. And it happened to the father of Publius, oh there he is, he's the guy who did it. The father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. Let me just stop long enough to tell you that there was a disease back in those days, it's been proven historically, among the pigs, the hogs, that they had dysentery. And when they would eat the pigs and the hogs, then the human that ate that pig would get dysentery. And sometimes <clears throat> the sickness could last for weeks, sometimes for months, and sometimes for years. We don't know how long the father of Publius had dealt with dysentery. But listen, if you ever had anything that even remotely looks like dysentery, 20 minutes is long enough to have it. Amen? Because it's a bad deal. Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people, 
on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. And they honored us greatly. And we were about to sail. When we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Did you hear that? Spiritual gifts. Paul's not afraid of anything. He's not afraid of dysentery. He's not afraid of sickness, long-term or short-term. Because he knows that Jesus bore stripes upon his back so that we could walk in health and walk in healing. And I'm telling you, I know good and well that healing is still for God's people today. It comes to us by His hand, and there is no sickness or disease that my God cannot heal. Amen. And He healed him, the Scripture says. Paul went and laid hands on Publius. I, I wonder if Publius was wearing a mask, don't you? I, I wonder if he'd been vaccinated. I wonder if he had had his booster shots. I don't know, but Paul didn't give a rip. Paul just went in and laid his hands upon him because he knew the divine healer was able to heal Publius's father and in the name of Jesus he was healed. And then the word got out. And every sick and afflicted person on that island that heard the news, came running to Paul. Now, can you imagine? Hear that? He's got to be still tired. Don't you think that he would just like to just take a nap after all that he's been through? Can't you imagine that he would like to just sit by the fire with a good cup of coffee? Oh, I'm sorry, it's getting ready to be fall now. So I would, it would have to be pumpkin spice latte. Don't you think that he would rather do that than have a bunch of needy, sick people? Their noses are running. They're coughing all over everything. Some of them are throwing up over on the side. Others of them uh, have diarrhea over here. Others can't hardly make it. And here they're all coming to Paul and saying, we want you to put our hands on us just like you did the father of Publius because we have suffered long enough. And you know what Paul did? He responded by operating in the spiritual gift of healing and they were healed in Jesus name now what am I trying to say to you today the scripture tells us that God has given to the church various spiritual gifts to be used for the upbuilding and the edification of the body of Christ now we always look at the pastor for some reason it's like the pastor has to have all those gifts and operate in all them. And I'll say this, through the years, God has enabled me to operate in a variety of gifts to meet the need of the moment. But God doesn't just give spiritual gifts to the pastor. He gives spiritual gifts to you. Now, I know that some of us think, well, spiritual gifts, that's tongues and interpretation. You know, it's true that tongues and interpretation are spiritual gifts. But did you know that there is a spiritual gift of helps that also comes to the body? There are people that are able to do anything. There are people that are there to help. There are people that when there's a need, they just roll up their sleeves and they go to work. And that's a spiritual gift. There's a gift of giving. There are people who have a lot of money, 
And they've learned how not to get attached to it. So that they can plant the seed wherever it needs to be planted so that the harvest can grow. There are other spiritual gifts, preaching, teaching, prophecy, whatever it is that God's called you to. My question is, uh, what are you doing with your gifts? I'm going to say this very carefully after I have a swig of water. There are people in every church in this world that never do anything to expand the kingdom of God. They only come to church many times just because they need something and want something. It's always about their need. And look, we want to reach people like that. We want to be a blessing. But there comes a point when we have to get beyond ourselves and our own needs. And we need to start asking God, how can I be a blessing to others? How can I bless someone else? How can I minister to their needs? What can I do? And here's what I've discovered. You know, I've been here now, Donna and I, a little over 12 years. We're pushing 13. We've been through every kind of phase that you can imagine. There was a phase when we just thought, are we going to make it? We were, we were scooting around on planks in the water. You remember that? We are just, God, you've got to help us, and he did. And we've been through all kinds of phases. The last five years, we have been in a growth mode. We've, been, we've added a child care center. We've added a school. We have added other ministries that, that we are involved with. And as we move forward, God wants us to expand our influence in our community. And if we're not careful, what we have already done will serve as anchors that will hold us back from doing what we need to do. That's why you've been hearing me say so much lately. The harvest is ripe. And the scripture says, pray ye to the, to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers to help bring in that harvest. And I'm praying. If you're flirting with our church, let me just tell you, stop flirting and jump in and get in the boat with us and let's find something for you to do to expand the kingdom of God. I want people who have been here forever to start asking the question, how can I serve the body of Christ? Maybe in the next few months you're going to be hearing from me some new things that we're going to start doing. And it will look different than what we've done in the past. This, this is not a commercial, it's just the reality. We can't keep doing what we've always done. We've got to, we've got to modify our efforts to reach the world in this current generation. Even in those 12 years. Our world has changed so much that what we used to do 12 years ago is no longer effective. It's like those anchors that we cut off and that we threw in the sea. There are some things that we might need to cut off and leave in the sea so that we can do some new things that will reap the harvest. But let me tell you something. This pastor 
and your pastor's wife. We can't do it all on our own. And we can't even do it with the other bakers in the household and Franklins that attend this church. And they are wonderful blessings to us. We're all family and we're all here and we've been here a long time and we've had our fingers in just about everything that has had to be done. But there are times that you have to do that in the beginning to get something off the ground and started. But the time has come where this body has to rise up and say, Pastor, how can I help? You know, somebody came to me one time and it's, it's been three or four years ago now, and they came and they said, you know, if our church had this kind of ministry, I really believe we could reach a lot of people. And I looked at them and I said, you know what? Since the Lord has laid that on your heart, I think you ought to lead that ministry. You ought to start that ministry. You ought to recruit some people to help you. And you know what? Within two or three weeks, they were gone from our church because it scared them half to death. They went somewhere else. Listen, God's calling us up higher. God will give us everything that we have need of. Spiritual gifts that will build not only this body, but our community. Supernatural gifts. Open doors of influence. Listen, overcomers influence others to become overcomers. Let me say that again. Overcomers influence others to become overcomers. You know, we don't go around and, and encourage people to be defeated. We don't go around to people and say, you know, I've been serving Jesus a long time and I know it's so hard. I've been praying for things for so long and God, He hasn't come through yet. I'm still suffering. I don't know, Hannah. I don't know if I can make it or not. I've been trying. I've been doing my best. If God would only help me, if God would only heal me, God would only give me a million dollars, I'd like to be in on that myself. If God this, if God that, I could write a song. I've got friends in low places. I mean, we want to just hang out there and just, listen, we're overcomers. We're victorious. We've overcome everything that the enemy has ever thrown at us. Anything that the devil has done to try to kill us, to steal from us, and to destroy us, we've overcome. Because Jesus came so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Let me tell you something. I got a word of understanding this week that just came to me and it is this. If the devil came to kill you and to steal from you and to destroy you, then in whatever circumstances that you're in and it smells like death and it looks like death and it looks like thievery and it looks like all that, it did not come from God. It did not come from heaven it came uh, from the enemy of our souls uh, who is out to take us out but I've got good news today I want you to overcome just like I've overcome and I'll tell you the way you're going to do it is believing in Jesus Christ we are more than conquerors turn to your neighbor and say I'm an overcomer how about you
oh, I just feel so bad. I just can't hardly make it. Oh, God. Who would want that kind of faith? But when you can reach way down in your belly where rivers of living water flow and say, I don't know how I made it in the tough times. I don't know how I made it in the difficult days. But somehow I'm still standing. And God has seen me through. I have made it. I was brought safely through. Now I'll take some of that kind of faith. And I'll take some of that kind of testimony. And then finally, look at your neighbor and say, he doesn't really mean it. Here's the last thing. Look at your Bibles. Go to verse 23 with me, if you will. Verse 23. And when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. So the crowd's building. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God. Notice that. Mark that in your Bible. Testifying to the kingdom of God. And trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. Uh, and, and it wouldn't do any injustice to add that ticked them off. Right there. I'm not going to do it, but you could. The Holy Spirit, here's what he said. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, <clears throat> Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but you will never understand. And you will indeed see, but you'll never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you, that this, this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. Now I want to say more about it in just a second, but let me explain what happened. He had gone to the religious folk. He had gone to the Jews, and he had tried to convince them about Jesus, and they didn't want to hear about Jesus. They didn't want to understand about Jesus, so they closed their ears and they closed their eyes to the message of Jesus. And he took a moment and he said, let me remind you what the prophet said about people like you. That you'll hear, but you'll never, you'll listen, but you'll never hear. You will look, but you'll never see. You will never understand the message of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, God has opened up the door and the opportunity for us to take this message to the Gentiles and unlike you, they will listen. Isn't that good news? Hey, listen, there's always somebody who will listen. There may be some people that you've been trying to testify to and witness to, and they won't hear it, and they won't listen. Well, let me tell you, there comes a time when you have to say to them, you know, I've wasted my time with you long enough. 
You know the truth, and you know that if you would accept the truth, the truth would set you free. But if you're not going to accept the message of Jesus Christ and accept the truth of the gospel, then there are other people that I am assigned to that I have got to put my energy into because when I speak to them, they will listen. You've got to determine through discernment who you're wasting your time on and who will listen to the message that you're going to give. The reason I'm waiting and hesitating is because I'm thinking real strong about saying something right now. But I think I'm going to move on. <laughs> listen. You need to watch who you hang out with. I mean, I know that's an old-time, traditional message that was taught in the old-time churches that when you get saved, listen, when I got saved, they told me, they said, don't hang out with unbelievers anymore. Don't go where they go. Don't do what they do. Don't take what they take. Don't drink what they drink. Don't dress like they dress because you are a child of God now. He has called you to something better. And there were people in my life that I had to walk away from because they would not hear the message of why my life was on a new path because of Jesus. And I was wasting my time with trying to convince them and I was giving them an opportunity to influence me rather than me influencing them. So there are times I don't care how much you like them. I don't care how much you like the way they dress and the way that they smell and the way that they do life. There are times, not in a rude way, you don't have to tell them you hate their stinky guts. You can just make some changes in your life that will allow you to walk with people of favor and to walk with people who are blessed and walk with people who are able to shine their light. In a dark world. I didn't say it exactly the way I was going to say it. But there you go. And look at verse 30. So Paul lived there for two whole years. At his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to him. Proclaiming the kingdom of God. And teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. And notice these last three words. And without hindrance. Have you ever felt like that you were being hindered by something? Did you ever feel like that there was just a blockage somewhere that you couldn't break through? Something, come, come help play and help me quit if you will. <clears throat> Something that just needed to be moved out of the way, but you couldn't move it out of the way. Can I tell you that God is able to move that thing and open up a season for you where ministry will take place unhindered? Have you ever been to a place where it just seemed like your money would only go so far and you just couldn't make it and and, and you couldn't get your bills paid, and you get to the end of the month, and there's very little money left, but there's a whole lot more that needs to be done. And you know that there's a hindrance. 
you get a blessing, and all of a sudden your car breaks down right after the blessing. You ever had that happen to you? Storm comes, knocks your shingles off. So I, I I can get that replaced by my insurance. Yeah, after you pay your deductible. And then after they raise your rates, after it's over, hindered. I mean, there's always something to hinder. You just about have your relationship with your spouse fixed, and then something happens to hinder the healing. And I'd built back the trust. And I was starting to believe in them again and they said this or they did that or found out about that and now the relationship is hindered again. I don't know how you feel about being hindered but I'm sick up to hear being hindered. You're not hindering me but the devil tries to hinder me every chance he gets. And he'll hinder you if you'll let him. But you've got to get to the place where you just say, I'm going to walk in my blessing. I'm going to walk in my favor. I'm going to operate in the spiritual gifts. I, there are people in this world that they stay offended over the dumbest things that I've ever heard. When when somebody comes to me and says, so-and-so's offended, most of the time you don't even have to tell me who it is. And I can figure out who it is. Because they just walk in a spirit of angry, perturbed, upset. They just like to live that way. You know, I've been angry before. I've been mad before. I've been perturbed before. I don't like it. And when I sense it, and when I feel it, I don't go to someone else and tell them, now, let me just put your mind at ease. We ain't got no problems in the church. Nobody's, you know, it's, it's not, I'm talking about people in general. I don't like it. And when people start talking about how perturbed or upset or frustrated, you know, why don't we look at ourselves rather than others and ask ourselves, why am I perturbed? Why is it always me that drama follows? Well, it's a good question. And it's one you ought to ask yourself. And it's one where you ought to say, God, it just seems like I'm the only one around here that's frustrated. I'm the only one around here that's mad. I'm the only one around here that's angry. That ought to be a sign to you that something needs to be adjusted in you and not in the others. You see, what I'm talking about is Paul having established an environment where people wanted to get to him so that their needs could be met and so that they could hear the truth of the gospel and there would be nothing in the way to hinder it. And I feel like the Lord is saying to me that He is going to give us a season 
of unhindered ministry. I believe that He's giving our families a season of unhindered blessings. Some of you sitting under my voice today, the favor of God is going to find you and it's going to be poured out on you in such a way that you, you will be amazed at what God is going to do in your life. But listen, it won't be simply to bless you. That'll be part of it. You'll be blessed by it. But listen, God has given you a purpose. He has placed His call upon your life. And so if you're blessed, it is so that you can be a blessing to others. If you are blessed financially, it is not so you can hoard it up in a barn. It is so that you can seed it into the ground and bless others. Some of you have the gift of teaching, but you haven't tried it in such a long time that you've almost forgot. And there are people and children and young people all around you that they just need somebody to show them how to do something so that they can succeed. And that's what Paul was doing. You know, some people say that Acts chapter 28 was the conclusion of the works of the kingdom. But it wasn't. In fact, there was a new age coming after Acts 28 that we're still living out right now. Let me tell you a story. For those of you who are wondering, it's eight minutes before 12. they just now putting the chicken down. You're going to be all right. Let me get this guy's name right. Let me go to my notes because I don't want to mess it up. Giacomo Puccini. Say that to your neighbor. Giacomo Puccini. Sounds like something you'd eat at an Italian restaurant, doesn't it? Giacomo Puccini, one of the most famous conductors and opera writers that the world's ever known. In 1922, in the height of his popularity, discovered that he had cancer. In 1922, there really wasn't a whole lot you could do for people with cancer, so they decided that they would do surgery on him and two years later they did surgery on him in 1924 but up until that time when he discovered that he had this diagnosis of cancer he said I'm going to use whatever time I have left writing a brand new opera it's going to be the best one that I've ever written and his students at the university said oh no no rest Heal. Just stay home. Just, just let your body renew itself. And he said, no. He said, I will write until I can no longer write. And when I can no longer write, you will finish the opera. In 1924, they did the surgery. And two weeks later, Giacomo Puccini passed from this life with an unfinished 
opera. Two years later, those students finished the opera and were going to play it. And the night that they decided to play it, his favorite student, who was also a conductor, stepped to the podium and reached for the baton. This is a terrible baton. I should have thought this through better. He reaches for the baton and he calls the orchestra to prepare to play. And they begin to play the orchestra. They begin to play the opera. And then all of a sudden, he stopped. Right in the middle of the opera, he stopped. And he placed the baton down. And he began weeping and crying. And he announces to those who are listening, he says, this is where the master stopped because he died. And the entire orchestra stopped and began to cry and weep. And after a few moments of weeping and crying, they reached down and got their handkerchiefs and they began to wipe the tears from their eyes. And the conductor stepped back to the podium and reached for the baton. And he said, Now, the students will continue what he could not finish. And they begin to play the rest of the opera that they had concluded when he died. So why would you tell us a story like that? Well, here it is. Acts chapter 28. It is the ending of an era, but it is the beginning of the church. Jesus did what Jesus could do, but then he said, I must go. It'll be better for you if I go, because when I go, God is going to send another comforter who is just like me, and he will not just be around you, but he will be in you. And he said to them, greater works than these shall you do, for I am going to the Father. I'm telling you, we are living in that age right now where we can see greater works because of what God does in this world through people like you. Are you ready? Stand if you will. I want you to come down here if you will. And I want us to get close. I know I, some of you think that the people that you're standing close to haven't used any deodorant. It's a, just get close. Just get close. You say, why do you like to do this, Pastor? Because we're in this together. We're the body of Christ. We support one another, don't we? We're on the same team. We're all in this together. Man, our future is bright. I look around here and see all the different people who call this church home. I'm telling you, there's nothing we can't do with the power of God. With Jesus on our side. Let me ask you. Is there anybody here today that you've never you've never started a personal relationship with Jesus Christ you've never taken the step to publicly confess that Jesus is who he says he is and confess that in your life if you're here today and you as the old church would say if you're here today and you're unsaved you're not a Christian I just want to boldly ask you 
to step right down here and let us introduce you to Jesus. Just come down here and we'll be glad to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. It's the best decision we could ever make. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I need to think on it. Well, don't think too long. You may miss your opportunity. You say, I, I'm not a manipulator. I'm not one of those old-time evangelists that spits on everybody and gets his hand up in his hair and gets it standing up and throws his coat off. And I, I don't like to. I, it's a choice. It's a decision. You either choose Christ or you don't. It'll be up to you. But I want to give you an opportunity today. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, just come and let us lead you to Him. And if not, I want to ask the rest of you to pray and ask the Lord if He'll use you to expand the kingdom of God. I don't know what that will look like. It may be like Candace out at the airport checking everybody in as they get on the airplane. She just may find a way to say, I love you in Jesus. Jesus is good. God's going to be with you today on your flight. And nothing bad going to happen to you today because the Master will be flying with you. I don't know. Might be like Judy Farrell who cleans at the dry cleaner. And every time I reach into my jacket and reach down here, there's a card that says Jesus loves you and a scripture. I, I, I don't know how God will use you, but let me tell you, God will use you if you will let him. And my, the reward will be great when you lead someone to Christ. So I want you to pray with me this morning. I want you to say, Lord, I have fooled around long enough. You're coming soon. And I want to be fruitful and expanding the kingdom of God and talking about it. So will you join me? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I'm so grateful that you have given us the opportunity here in our church to be useful in the kingdom of God. I'm so thankful that you've given us everything that we need. But I'm so thankful that even these guys on Malta, when they ultimately ended up leaving Malta, you restored everything that had been lost in the storm. You you gave it back to them through the Maltese people. Lord, there's never a time when we will be without. There's never a time that we will lack what we have need of when it comes to expanding your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you will use these individuals today, that their testimony will be great, that they will be able to share with others about the goodness of God and how that you have raised them up, pulled them up out of their miry clay, that you have helped them, Lord, to shake off their snakes and overcome them. And Lord, I pray for our parents that they will lead their children to you at an early age so that they can grow up being established in their faith so that they will know that you are a divine Savior and that you're coming again soon. And we want to be ready. And we want everybody around us to be ready. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayer. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen.
Don't you want to be useful in His kingdom? I do. I don't want to ever feel like that one of these days when I get to heaven that I'm going to stand before Jesus and hear Him say, I gifted you. What did you do with that gift? Why didn't you use it to expand the kingdom? I don't want to ever hear that, Brother Danny. I want to be a blessing to everyone around me. And I want to encourage you to do the same. So here's what I want you to do. If you feel comfortable, I want you to find about a half a dozen people that are standing close by to you. And I want you to go shake their hand or hug their neck. Will you smile at them? Will you, don't look at them like, who in the world are you? If you don't know who they are, ask them what their name is so that you can be praying for them this week. So will you do that? And they're going to sing us out of here this morning, but find about a half a dozen people.